Before I begin the homily, I'd like to read a letter from Bishop Desitel that he asked all of his priests to read at every Mass. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I join with all of you in the mixed emotions of sadness and anger on hearing the news of the grand jury report from Pennsylvania on the number of child abuse cases, cases made public recently. Although it spans a period since 1947, even one case of harming a child by abuse is a crime and a sin. Also sad is the poor response and ignorance of the harm done to victims by those in authority. To those victims who suffered so terribly, I offer my apologies for what they suffered in our church. I also offer my prayers that God speedily heal them and make them whole. I also ask that all the Catholics in the Diocese of Lafayette join me in prayer and voluntary acts of penance for the victims and their healing. I also ask that you pray for, thank, and encourage the many faithful and dedicated priests of our diocese. They suffer also because of the bad actions of a few. Just as we should not judge all policemen because of a few bad ones, so should we not judge all good and faithful priests. Since 2002, our diocese has enforced the Safe Environment Program for the Protection of Children and Young People. Everyone who ministers to minors in our diocese must undergo safe environment training and be updated every year. Every priest, religious, teacher, volunteer, and even me, the bishop, must undergo background checks and safe environment training. I'm happy to say that our diocese received a 100% grade from the auditing firm that ensures compliance. If an allegation is made, it is investigated, and if it seems credible that, that a person is, then the person is removed from ministry and the legal authorities are notified. This centennial year, the founding of our diocese, gives us the opportunity to renew our Catholic faith and rededicate our commitment for the safety of all children in our diocese. As your bishop, <coughs> I firmly promise to be vigilant and to guard those placed in my care. If anyone has been harmed by child abuse or suspects of abuses occurring by any church personnel, please notify the diocesan office. Again, I ask your prayers for all victims and for me and all our faithful priests. Faithfully yours in Christ, Bishop Douglas Desitel, Bishop of Lafayette. Now that we've started on such a positive note, I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce myself for those of you who have not yet met me. I'm Father Rene Pellissier. I'm the parochial vicar here. Basically, I'm the assistant to the pastor. And what that basically means is you'll be seeing a lot of me if you're a student at UL. So I want to apologize for advance for any harm that I may inflict upon you verbally or by the sheer fact that I probably won't remember your name. That is a big vice of mine, by the way. So let me kind of give a little bit of background about myself, if you don't mind. This applies very much, actually, believe it or not, to the abuse cases that we've been seeing. I grew up here, from Lafayette, born, raised, went to Lafayette High. And ever since I first entered high school, I, thought, I always felt a deep call within to enter the seminary and become a priest. It was just there. And, you know, I, I, I went to church a lot as a, as a, as a high school as a high schooler, I guess you call it, and, and you know, I went to daily mass and all this other stuff, and, 
And it was a very, it was good, it was wonderful. But unfortunately, once I got to senior year, I realized, eh, maybe I want to live a little bit more. So I decided to go to LSU instead. Partied there for about three years. It was awesome. And so what I did, though, at LSU, unfortunately, is as good of a time as I had, every single day, actually not a day went by, that I did not feel called to become a priest. Not a single day. Every day, whether, I was, whether it was a daily mass, whether it was praying a rosary, whether it was going adoration, the Lord would send a little message. Hey, buddy, remember that whole thing I was calling you to in high school? Yeah, it didn't go away. I still want you to be a priest. And I would always usually respond, hey, buddy, leave me alone. I just want to be a Catholic. I don't want to do this. And so like, I always fought it from all throughout high school. And, 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 and it's not high school, but all throughout, all throughout LSU. And it wasn't until my junior year, whenever I ran into or really encountered a, a very faithful priest in a very profound book. The book was called The Fulfillment of All Desire. I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, but I strongly suggest if you want to boost your prayer life, boost your spiritual life, you get this book. It's by Ralph Martin. It's awesome. It's great. It was it transformed my life. So this, this Fulfillment of All Desire by Ralph Martin. And after reading this book, and after really kind of allowing it to permeate my soul, I, what I discovered was I was in such deep consolation. I would come to the chapel, and seriously, guys, hours would feel like minutes. I, would be, I, would, I loved prayer. Prayer was a delight. Prayer was a joy. I was constantly in the chapel. I was constantly praying. I was constantly dry, trying to grow closer to our Lord. It was something of a miraculous time in my life. Right, right toward the end of my junior year, kind of, kind of in, the, in the winter time, about, about getting into, in, going into January. And I remember uh, during that, that period of incredible bliss, a period where I was growing deeper and deeper and deeper into my relationship with the Lord and, and where I became more and more and more inflamed with the love of my God, it was then that I decided to enter seminary. And after entering seminary, and, and, and after, excuse me, and after... One of the things that was so amazing is, is I maintained that bliss up until the day I entered seminary. And seriously, guys, it didn't take long. Within a week or two, my prayer was dry, completely done. It felt awful. It was like an engine without motor oil. I would come to the chapel, and instead of hours feeling like minutes, minutes felt like hours. It felt it was an incredibly awful drag. I think we've all experienced this to some degree or another. We go to a retreat, we have a great and powerful experience with Christ, then we leave a few days later, and then we're like, who's that Jesus fellow again? I don't really remember him. Uh, you know, I kind of just go back to my ordinary life. That's kind of how I was feeling in seminary. And the fact of the matter is, though, it wasn't Jesus' fault. Jesus wasn't the reason why I was experiencing dry prayer. The reason why I was experiencing dry prayer, to be blunt and honest with you guys, full disclosure, was because I was hearing about this abuse. I was hearing about this junk that the, that the clergy was partaking in, in the church that I was about to join. Here I was, a young seminarian, posed with the question of, am I going to consecrate my life to God? Even though surrounding me, although I didn't necessarily see it, I heard about it, was allegations of abuses and cover-ups. And it sent me into an absolute, if you will, kind of spiritual spiral. 
And that's what the, that was the cause of this dryness. Staring face to face with these allegations. And the fact, the reason why I bring this up is because these allegations back then were private. Nobody really talked about them. Nowadays, honestly, guys, you get on Twitter, you will see some of the baddest allegations you'll find published by New York Times, Washington Post, CBS, Fox News, Wall Street Journal. And they came out yet just last night about this church and about some of the highest ranking parts of the church. But back then, that wasn't really spoken of. And I found that I was left to make a decision. But it was a decision that I actually made, believe it or not, in prayer. And it ended up being one of the most powerful moments of my entire life. What I did one day was I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I committing my life to this church where the clergy don't know what they're doing? Where their priorities are not focused on Christ? Where their priorities seem to be focused on everybody else? I'm not saying all clergymen are like this. But there was certainly a presence within it that kind of violated that. Nothing was being done about it, seemingly. And it was at that moment, after pouring my heart out to the Lord, after saying, Lord, should I really do this? Should I really go through with this? This gospel verse passage came out. And I felt and I heard the Lord Jesus say to me exactly what he said to his disciples. Do you also want to leave? Do you also want to leave? You've heard this hard truth. You've heard these facts. You've heard the reality. Almost said a bad word there. The reality that, <laughs> my bad. You know, I get going, I can't help it. All right, all right. Back to, back to being a priest. Okay, reality that things aren't always going my way. Do you also want to leave? And I remember feeling deep within my heart the response in this passage. Master, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall I go? And that's whenever I realized there's no other options. This is it. Like it or not, do or die. This is it. There's no other ways to go. Because only in the Catholic Church, only in the church founded by Jesus Christ on the back of Peter, do we actually have the words of eternal life? Only in the Catholic Church will we ever find a one holy Catholic apostolic church. That's it. No other church, I don't care what they say, can boast of that fact. No other church was founded by Jesus Christ. They were founded by John Calvin, Martin Luther, Zwingli, anybody else, but not Christ. And as, as messed up as that church might look like sometimes, the fact of the matter is, is that the words of eternal life are right there. And you know what those words are? This is my body. This is my blood. I absolve you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I anoint you 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the words of the sacraments. It's by the sacraments that you and I experience a chance, a hope, a glimmer of the one thing that you and I seek, eternal life. Only by those sacraments, only by those words, only by those doctrines. That's why we say the church is holy. Not because of its clergy, not because of its people, not because of its bishops, not because of its pope, but because of the words of eternal life. Because of the doctrine, because of the sacraments, because of the saints, because of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's what makes the church holy. Not all this other stuff. We're recipients of that. We need the church. The church doesn't need us. And that's what I learned on that fateful day. Whenever I looked at the Lord and he looked at me and said, are you going to leave? That's whatever I realized. That no priest can mess this up. No bishop can cover this up. No pope can overlook this. The unbelievable fact that right here, on this altar is not the body of a priest, not the body of a bishop, not the body of a pope, but the body of Jesus Christ. And that is why we are here. For no other reason but that man. The man who gives us what every single one of us craves from the bottom of our hearts. That unbelievable reality that from his words, from his sacrifice, you and I can have eternal life. Amen.